We've got to stop talking about strokes gained. We're all looking at the wrong thing. There's no rules. Shoot a lower score. There's one rule. Welcome back to the back porch of Franklin Bridge, where last week, Scott, we had a awesome guest kind of summarized last week for us. We did. We had uh, my head coach when I was in college, who's now the associate uh, head coach of the women's program at Duke University. Um, Man, we had a lot of like gems for that from that one. So we're going to go in and kind of... I'm going to pull out a bunch of little sound bites from there and definitely use them in my own teaching. I highly encourage if you're listening to this, whether it be Instagram Live, hello over there, um, or whether it be here on the back porch or at home, please go listen to that podcast. Like It's one of those you kind of want to listen to multiple times just so you can get some good stuff going. So, um, But with that, I'm going to extend the opportunity to pre-order my book um partly because i haven't i really want to make a big push for why this book is so huge and so important i know we've talked about it a little bit we had taylor on a couple weeks ago um who helped me put all the data in i put in another i believe it was like 2200 holes this weekend (laughs) so uh from the houston open so um Anywho, I don't even know how to start this one. Uh, new cover. So for those that are watching, this is the cover that we're going to have. Um, I have a final review of the draft this weekend on Friday. I'll have that. Uh, so I'll get to look at it over the weekend and give it the go-ahead to print. So um, we are going to do something unique. Um, I'm going to print 10 hardcover, uh, 10 hardcover books. They're going to be... Uh, $100 a pop, and uh, the reason for that is, if you can see this red seal here, uh, we're going to print them in hardcover. That red seal will actually be the a real wax uh, imprint on the front, uh, and they'll be, they'll be signed as well. So those 10 um, will go to support... Um, he doesn't know this yet, but the guy sitting next to me who puts this podcast together every every <laughs> week. So, um, so all the proceeds from that will go to him and Erica, who've really helped uh, take this off. So I'll make my money back on the cost of those hardcover, and then everything else goes into their hands. So uh, if you're listening to this, and if you're out here on the back pat- patio, big round of applause for Jack for making this podcast big. So, Jack, thank you all your hard work um and uh anywho so i want to do that to support them but i also want to make it a hardcover and something special because i really think it's going to transform the way the industry sees the game and one of our big talks tonight that i really want to push against is this idea of strokes gained so um strokes gained is this super popular term on the tour and it measures things perfectly like it measures what it's supposed to measure like it's not a wrong for your game. It doesn't actually transform your game in the way that it's put on there. So actually there's a funny thing. The LPGA just posted like the top two players in the world. They have strokes gained number one, strokes gained number two. Well, no shoot, Sherlock. Like 
of course they're going to be number one and number two. It doesn't tell us anything we don't already know. Um, where where it can be helpful at times for players is, or at least this is the way it was previously thought, was, well, all right, your strokes gain putting was this, your strokes gain driving was that, your strokes gain wedges were this. Well, if you finish tied for 17th, everybody that finishes tied for 17th has the exact same total strokes gained. The specific makeup of that is unique to each player. So it's like, well, how can I figure out how to get my strokes gained to that with there's no there's no rhyme or reason to it. So like it just basically tells us where you finish relative to the rest of the field, which is duh obvious, right? So when you run regression analysis with data like that, it's messy. It actually interferes with the data and it would not be statistically significant in order to be able to produce anything that's worthwhile. So um not only that, I just got done speaking to a college in Michigan, uh, to their entire program, and one of the questions that came up, uh, and I might have some of the guys listening right now on Instagram, but one of the questions that came up was, um, well, we put one of the kids' data up on the, on the board from a recent tournament as I taught them these three data points, BPN, OP, and POA, and he said, well, my data set up I, with strokes gained uh, minus three. So he lost three strokes putting. Well, minus three strokes putting sounds, sounds poor. But when we actually looked at his data, we took those three data points. We went back over the round. We actually found five strokes that he lost putting, not three. So relative to the average whomever player from those distances, he was, he had lost three shots. We actually found five not only that, if we go a step further, I said, hey, if you had actually flipped these marks, don't change your proximity, don't change where you place it off the tee, just change where you place it on the green. Keep the distance the same, just shift the part of the green that it's on, you actually would have lost seven strokes putting. So that actually gives us a clearer picture of where the errors actually are. Um, uh, trainer this weekend at the Houston Open kind of fell apart at the end. He had it in the bag. Well, you can actually see he hit shots he hadn't hit all week, so we can actually identify mental errors as well. So we can identify all sorts of things from these data points that you can't do elsewhere. Um, and Jack, I know like as we've been looking at it, we're going, there's no chance this is going to work itself out. And so I sent, I had the guys from this team watching it as well as uh, Scott Spector. He was watching it as well, watching the data. And after two rounds, they're projected to be this. After three rounds, we look at another projection for the 72 holes. And it's crazy to see guys that were way below or way above their average, watch them all condense into that average mark. Everybody's thinking Scheffler was going to win the golf tournament. I was like, he's not going to. He can't win the golf tournament. Like mathematically, unless he made a massive shift in how he was playing the golf course, which was highly unlikely, there's no chance he could win the golf tournament. And so it was fun to see the guys do that. Like, he turns the front nine, basically leading the golf tournament, two-shot lead, and then he crumbles. Like, oh, he fell apart, he choked. He didn't choke, he just came back to his averages. Had to. Couldn't keep it going for four rounds. So, like, for me, the big push is, like, we've got to stop talking about strokes gained. We're all looking at the wrong thing. And I was, I was sold out to that wholeheartedly. So, like, when I'm doing this, like, I haven't been on a mission to go against strokes gained, but when the data supports that you shouldn't follow strokes gained, and that's what it should be, 
Um, we'll give one example from this weekend was uh, McGreevy. In my data set, McGreevy had, was at 13.78 projected after two rounds. He should have been, after four rounds, 13.78. Even though he got worse on some of his marks the ne- next two days, he only dropped to 11.5. He should have smoked the snot out of everybody. Now, this is where it's interesting. It's like, well, your data didn't predict what he was going to shoot then. I said, no, it didn't. But what it did predict was the fact that nobody, he was clear of the field by two and a half shots strategically after the first two rounds. Nobody was close. And so, like, can you imagine being a guy in his situation if you knew that? Like, hey, we just got to keep playing the way we've been playing. We don't have to change anything um, other than his short game, his wedges. He couldn't wedge it close enough. But his strokes gained wedges was three. He was top 10, top 15, I believe, in strokes gained uh, around the green. Well, that's not what BPN, OP, and POA said. So he's going to go, go, okay, we're doing good there. We're completely missing. If we're going off of strokes gained, we are working on completely the wrong thing based on where this data leads us to where he's weak. I think, wow, nine minutes in, my first uh, I know, I was talking like, on the podcast. Say something, Jack. Please <laughs> say something. Um, no. I think what's interesting for me and something that I, I would be interested in when this formula hopefully makes it out to more and more people with the book is I'm hoping that it can provide some value to people even if you're not super data driven the the one thing that I like I worry about in the formula is can you use it for players who are super um, for lack of a better word like flowy like they don't like to think about the crossing their t's and dotting their i's throughout every single round like they're just trying to crush the ball and kind of feel the game and I'm wondering as you have way more experience with higher level players than I do and I feel like um I feel like Austin might be one of those guys yeah how do we implement the formula to those people so that they can just go out and play uh the round the way they like to play it well if you go super high level if we start there because that's the easiest place to start you just let your caddy learn how to do this Mm. Right. And you let your caddy kind of guide you through the decisions to get to these places. Right. So you utilize both your skill and your instincts as a player, but you also use, you know, your we know the high values of BPNs like you're looking at, hey, man, we've missed five BPNs in a row. and We're one under right now. This thing's about to break if we don't flip the script here. Um, And so as a caddy, you're able to catch those patterns beforehand as a coach. It's great. Hey, we're all going to hit it here. Like, this is how we're going to play. We're going to hit it over there. Now, what shot you pick to get there, I don't care. But, like, we got to get over there, we got to get over there, and we got to keep an eye on this. So mm-hmm. um, that was actually one of the questions that wasn't asked exactly that way by the guys on the team. Um, several of them have ACT scores over 30, so they're incredibly intelligent. So a lot of them like the data, but there's some guys that are like, how do I play this way? I said, well, you guys do your practice rounds. You just figure out where those spots are. And then when you go play, you just hit it there, hit it there. And it actually simplifies the whole thing. Like even if you're somebody who's incredibly creative, you still have all the creative freedom that you want, but you've got to learn how to manage those two things. And so it's like, well, won't work for a guy like Bubba. Well, how's Bubba doing? Right? It's like, well, it won't work for a guy that's super feely like Matthew Wolf. Well, how's Matthew Wolf doing? He's playing better. He's actually playing right to his number until he basically quit 
on himself in the last hole and doubles the last. It's like you actually finish two behind your number and they're right there. <laughs> like in 72 holes, the two shots you lost based on what you should have shot based on how you hit it is right there and how you decided to play the golf course. So um, I think to answer your, I mean, the simple answer to that is because of how simple it is, it's just once you have those marks decided, especially if it's a golf course you play all the time, you do your hard work on the front end so you can just go in and enjoy the game. It's like, um, it's no different than coaches that do film and stuff in football and um, I'm sure there's film in baseball, I would guess. It's maybe a little bit different. You're, you're analyzing players and how they hit off of certain pitchers and et cetera. But like that data is important so that way you can prepare to play your very best. And then when you go play, you just play. And then when you're done, you look back and go, okay, where did I, what should I have shot? Where did I lose it? So I think it can make it because you're free flowy too. You didn't really want to, I remember the one round you played, like, I don't really want to go back. It's like, let's look at it. Like when we looked at it, it was, it actually opened your eyes to like, oh, okay, it could have done this, this, and this, and that's how I break 80 very easily without any change in skill, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's going to be super interesting because the only beef that I really have with the formula right now is that, like, I, I tell myself, and granted, this is all mental for me, I tell myself that, like, I can't, I don't want to say I can't because I don't like that. I don't like that. <laughs> I know, it's like, correction. But... It seems unlikely, and maybe I've also been playing courses recently that are super tight, like have super tight greens mm -hmm. as well, and like stuff that, um, especially as it starts to get colder, the greens harden up a little bit, the ball, you have to really control the ball mm -hmm. a lot more than if you have a soft green in the summer. Correct. Um, it's just difficult for me to execute, and so I would love for you to speak on how um, somebody, and, and this is also coming from me, who I feel like has a pretty good swing. Like, how does somebody who doesn't necessarily have as good of a swing as, like, let's say I do? I'm not good by any means, but like, I'm, I've done my practice. You've come a long way. Yeah. How you've done, how you've done do a we how do we implement the formula if we can't necessarily place our ball as exact as we would want to? Well, so uh, two things there. One, the formula is the cool part, right? Like, that's the oh, it's awesome, we can predict outcomes and we can look back at your round, especially if you're a high-level player that's already shooting really low scores, you can look at that and go, okay, this is what I should have shot and this is what I did shoot. I was either ahead of it, behind it, right on it. Uh, the formula is cool, but you don't need the formula. You need the principles of these three data points, right? So the beauty, and this is where I love like Taylor's energy in our last shot of this was like, hit it anywhere over there like you're good enough to hit it over there but it feels wrong to like you're telling me to play away from the hole over there okay well what about ops well that's our tee shot well it may be better for you to just try and hit the fairway versus try and gain the small shot like to lose a shot versus to gain a partial shot so it's bpnop poa without giving all the book away and how that fits into the larger context of like, well, BPN is over there to the left, but so is water. Am I skilled enough to hit it into that mark? Well, if I hit it, if I hit it into that mark, but I hit it into the water, I effectively lost a shot or seven tenths of a shot roughly. But if I hit it over here on the other side in the middle of the green, let's say I lose my opportunity for the BPN and the value that it brings, but I also gain 
the potential of not having hit it in a hazard. Mm. So it's not just hit the marks. It's if I can't hit the marks, what do I then do in reluctant, you know, to fight against that? But I can tell you if you just go against them the entire time, it will catch up with you regardless of your skill set. So you want to play to them as often as you can to the degree that you can. And again, it's anywhere over there. Um, and not for all the marks. Like POA is a little more specific, but uh, it's definitely getting into, yes, you don't have to be super skilled to do that. But you can hit it over there. You can choose to not hit the green, which changes how you make your marks, right? So if, if I choose not to go for the green, then that changes the marks. I can place that ball in a spot. Maybe I can't hit a four iron up in a good spot, but I can hit I can hit an eight iron down to that spot and then play that shot up. So regardless of where you're at, if you really understand the principles of the three things, you can really dive into how to fix it. So um, I think we're looking at some potential Instagram questions. Nope, we good? Just some waves and some hellos and comments. Um, but so if you are listening to this, go back and listen to the whole thing on Instagram Live uh, or listen to it coming out. But go get the book now. Uh, I'm also based on some recent suggestions. I'm actually going to raise the price start of next year. Um, pre-orders will be open through Thanksgiving, the day before Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving Eve, midnight. Uh, if you don't order it by then, uh, then you can still pre-order it, uh, but you will not get it till the first week of April, and the price will go up. Uh, so the value of what we're bringing here is huge, and I really believe it's going to change the way the game is. And I'm putting that out there. That's fine. I don't have a problem doing it. But yeah, we're fighting against, I mean, going against strokes gain is like trying to take down a very large, it's not my goal to take down strokes gain. It's, it's just like a very misunderstood statistic. I, th I think that people, regardless of golf or any place in life, are always trying to figure out how they stack up, how they compare. Yeah. That doesn't mean, like, that could mean at work, that could mean against your best friend in something mm -hmm. that could be in golf that could be against yourself but like strokes gained all it's doing is compare it's trying and emphasis on the trying part to compare how somebody else did compared to somebody else how someone else did compared to somebody right. else. and so but that's not the game we're playing ex exactly and so we're I playing think the game against the golf course exactly so this this it's not a measurement this statistic that. is not a measurement at all and it's very it's very misunderstood but it's also the only thing that we have in the golf world to be able to compare ourselves to other people right and that's been my challenge all along is like how can we figure out how to measure ourselves against the course itself other than the score that you shot and greens hit and putts and fairways like yeah but how did that happen why did that happen why you know what would be interesting how do we measure all that what would be interesting is to take the um the scores right if there's some way to on the fly calculate the scores and then have like for example when you're watching a tournament have like projected score you know i know that that would that be to me kind of like cooler. they have in um like football and baseball right now with like percentage chance of winning this golf tournament yeah or of of this football game yeah. like you see it shift in waves it's like yeah based on how they're hitting those marks in real time to see that up there would be incredible um and you can't do that with strokes gain because, mm -mm. but we can actually figure out why that works. And the other argument I made with, uh, back to McGreevy was 
why would you want to compare yourself to guys that are playing the course poorly? They played it ter- like in terms of the way the course is set up. I know this is going to come off kind of strong, but like they did not play that well. Like as a group, they did not play it well. Why would you want to compare your strokes gain to somebody who's doing it poorly? Like you wouldn't want to compare your business. Like if you're doing really well over here, why would you want to compare yourself to a business that's doing something worse than you are? Or just it's like not com- a com- it's not a worthy comparison. Comparing a Walmart to a mom and pop is not, you know, no, not they're a, not going to be the not same. a comparable. No, you can't do that. Um, so he was playing the golf course incredibly well. I want to compare it to. What should I have shot based on how well I was playing the golf course? I want to know how I'm doing relative to that. Because mm-hmm. if I do that really well and I know I'm playing it better than everybody else, then I know I can play incredibly well. Especially, like, we were looking at, Mc, uh, gosh, I get them all mixed up. We have McNeely and McGreevy out there. McGreevy was looking at basically a Tiger Woods-esque tournament, like winning by four and, like, nobody even sniffing him. And Kokrak, by the way, for those that are wondering, shot exactly the projected number. So he shot 10 under, and everybody's amazed. I was like, he was, that's where he was going to go if he just had an average deal. That's so, great. Anywho, go buy the book. Um, right now it's $14.99 um, at 10% off. The pre order is still available. Um, final copy of the I get to review uh, this weekend. And our goal is to have it in your hands by Christmas uh, for those that pre-order. Otherwise, you will be waiting till April. Yes, I don't care if you're a Franklin Bridge member. I don't care if you're one of my students. You will wait till April to get it. Get your hands on it ahead of everybody. This stuff's valuable. I know it'll make a massive change to your game. And on top of it, I keep forgetting to mention this, is I have links to YouTube videos explaining these concepts in more detail. Um, So... Do it now while the book's still cheaper, and um, thanks for supporting it, and here we go. Yeah, and I, the last thing I'll say is I had a little bit of a technical difficulty, technical glitch. It spilled a little bit of water on my computer the first thing while everybody was clapping for me. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't, this has just been fun to do with you, Scott. I don't, I don't think I, you know, I definitely add value with getting the audio out there, but I don't think there's another golf coach out anywhere right now that's kind of doing the amount of outreach that you're doing as far as writing books staying committed to a podcast um providing the value to your students and like the cracking the code courses um which for those of you listening audio at home is basically like a club that you you got to get in at the in the winter (laughs) and you'll transform your game uh by springtime by the season so anyway i just don't think there's many golf professionals doing this uh non-traditional outreach to kind of grow the game in a, in a less boring way i'll say so <laughs> yeah. uh here, here's to a new year of doing it and uh now i guess officially um whole year and a half of doing the podcast with you too which has been cool yep. this, is, this is like a full year of us together which is wild it's awesome uh, man so it is cool but uh <laughs> for those of you wondering how to get in touch with scott you can follow him on it on instagram at s golf two s's two e's uh thanks for those of you who are listening on instagram live or watching on instagram live um, we're going to try and get that a little bit more popular because I actually think that's a really good thing to do weekly, um, especially for people who can't always make it or people yep. who aren't located in uh, in, in Tennessee. So uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, looking forward to talking more tonight. I think we got two more episodes on the way. We do. Uh, so we're going to make sure that we stack up before Thanksgiving time. Um, and we'll see you on the next one. 
happy Thanksgiving for everybody. This is probably going out around that time. Hopefully you guys are spending time with your families and having a great time. So uh, from us here on the back porch of Franklin Bridge, we'll see you on the next one. Peace. Thanks you all for listening to this episode of the Champions Playbook. As always, you can find us anywhere that you guys are. So uh, make sure to check out Scott on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of the above. His Instagram is at Golf. That's two S's and two E's. So make sure to go and check out everything that he's got going on over on his Instagram page. Uh, as well as make sure you follow Franklin Bridge. Uh, Franklin Bridge puts out some great things as well, and we want to make sure that we support them because they support us. So as always... Feel free to come by the back porch of the Persimmon Pub at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays to come and listen to us talk golf. So book a late afternoon round of golf, and then afterwards, come on inside, get some food, some drinks. Uh, We got some specials going on. We had some $5 flatbread pizzas. We had some amazing chicken tacos, as well as drink specials going on all night long. So make sure to support the Persimmon Pub as well when you come out. We would love to see you guys. We do one episode and then a live Q&A and then another episode. So from 7 to 9 on Wednesdays, we hope to see you soon, and we'll see you on the next one. Peace.